Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. Thank you to SaneBox.com for sponsoring our podcast yet again. And I will tell you how you can not only try SaneBox for two weeks for free, but get an additional $25 when you choose to sign up, which you will when I tell you about SaneBox.com. So welcome to yet another media event in which people are going to decry the fact that 100 days is a meaningless measurement, it's a total media invention, it's completely ridiculous, and then, of course, spend the rest of the time talking about the first 100 days. Here to join me, our literary editor, Philip Terzian. Welcome. And you are in the group of people who are sick of hearing about it, yes? I am indeed. And so what I've asked you to do is to expand the things to be annoyed by from this 100 days to all of the 100 days, the people who had the best and worst first 100 days. Well, the whole concept of the 100 days is a 20th century invention. It started with uh, Franklin Roosevelt, who who did enter the presidency in March 1933 in crisis. I mean, the banks were closed. We were d- deep in the Depression. And he had this, and of course, the Democrats uh, dominated both the House and Senate. So there was this magnificent flurry of legislation which got the New Deal off the ground. And, and that has been the model for a certain kind of president uh, ever since. Now, his successor, of course, didn't come into office under the same circumstances, and President Eisenhower didn't care about such things. But Kennedy actually explicitly mentioned the 100 days in his uh, inaugural speech. The Kennedy administration was acutely aware of the necessity of taking office and immediately uh, behaving like legislative whirling dervishes and getting everything possibly accomplished <laughs> in those first 100 days. Now, as we know, of course, Kennedy's presidency was tragically cut short, right. but the first 100 days of the Kennedy administration were an enormous letdown because he ran into a legislature. First of all, he didn't have all that many new proposals. Sure. Uh, as as my uh, leftist father used to complain, <laughs> it was uh, like Eisenhower plus two. He wasn't all that much of a departure from the sure. Eisenhower administration ideologically. And of course, civil rights legislation, thing like that. They didn't even bother drafting at that point because there was such heavy Southern Democratic opposition yeah. in the Senate. So ever since then, it's been a, it's been this um, false measure of a presidency, and Democrats have tended to be more conscious of it for historical reasons, um, and usually to their disadvantage, because like Jimmy Carter, for example, who started off with a bang with his um, uh, proposal to make energy the moral equivalent of war uh, in his... In his, he even he even put on a sweater and oh, sat right. sat in front of a. Fi- he thought that he <laughs> thought that a fireside chat meant literally sitting beside a fireside while you delivered. In fact, it was the people listening who were sitting beside there <laughs> fighting in FDR's day. But that's beside picky, the point. Picky, picky, picky. I've always I, I always what I remember that. is he sat by the thermostat because he kept telling us turn the thermostat down. And my father in the background going, I've been telling you that all along, Pat. Turn the damn because he just wanted to save money. You know that's well that. My dad was just a cheapskate. Well, that, and then he taught us all to uh, reinforce our windows, of course, which later we learned was keeping radon in the house. So, I mean, you never, (laughs) you can't win with these things. But uh, but how did his first 100 days turn out? His first 100 days turned out pretty poorly. I mean, because he did two things. One was his 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 energy proposals really didn't go anywhere offhand, and they weren't Americans weren't ready yet to fight the moral equivalent of war over over green energy and so on. And the other um, initiative which was uh, suggesting that the Cold War really wasn't all that serious, and we, we had an inordinate fear of communism, as he said at <laughs> Notre Dame University, is really didn't go over well, and right. to some degree set the tone for the Carter presidency. So it wasn't such a great idea. Well, it turned out the people who should have had an inordinate fear of communism lived in Afghanistan, Poland, etc. And if you have a fear that you are never going to get control of your email again, 
I can put those fears to rest. SaneBox.com. How many emails do you have in your inbox right now? A hundred? A thousand? Twenty thousand? If your email is anything like mine used to be, the answer is way too many. But even though I knew I wanted to do something about it, I didn't know how. I was afraid of missing important emails if I just went through and started randomly deleting them. But there were too many for me to go through one at a time. Then I discovered the secret to reaching Inbox Zero and taking back my email sanity. It's called SaneBox.com. SaneBox sorts through your email, moves all the trivial stuff to a different folder, so the only messages when you look in your inbox are the messages you want to see there. Aside from removing the junk so you can focus on the messages that matter, there's also a great feature called the black hole. Move an email into that folder and you'll never hear from that sender again. That's right. I'll let your imagination run free with that for a second. Look, we could all use more organization in our email life. And so we've worked out a great deal for our listeners. Visit SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard today. Not only can you try it for two weeks absolutely free, but they'll throw in an extra $25 credit on top. You don't even have to enter your credit card information unless you decide to buy. And I predict you will. So there's really nothing to lose. Check it out today. Let me know if you love the black hole and reaching inbox zero as much as I do. That's SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard for your two-week free trial and a $25 credit. SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard. And to return to political sanity from email sanity, Phil Terzian, I would argue that Bill Clinton's first 100 days were worse because you had the health care fiasco. You had the, the first real problem of filling a cabinet spot because he had the, the all the attorney generals who had these babysitter problems and <laughs> exactly well well, mess. well and what, but one other thing and I think people forget this the global war on terror looking back began for America in the first month or so of the Clinton presidency with the truck bombing of the World Trade Center which thanks only to faulty planning and technology, you know, the plant, it was going to blow, cause one of the towers to collapse into the other. It would have been 9-11, except worse, far more deaths. And it, it happened on Bill Clinton's watch, you know, right after he got into office. Although we really only know that in retrospect. Exactly. I mean, at the time, we didn't quite understand what it implied. I mean, the warnings about that were really off base in that sense. So, yes, although in fairness, the the health care, the Hillary care proposal mm-hmm. didn't come till later in the year. But, I mean, I think the, the lesson of all this is not, not to pay attention to the first <laughs> hundred days. Because if you look back in the hundred and... 35 years or whatever prior to FDR, there was never any sense of urgency. I mean, for one thing, um, because Roosevelt became president in crisis, we we changed the date at which presidents take office. There was a leisurely six-month interval between the election and the 4th of March. After 1933, it was changed to January 20th. Probably, in my view, it ought to be changed to about November 15th, sort of the way the Europeans do sure. it. But nevertheless, the 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 whole notion of the first 100 days, I mean, in, in 1841, the first 100 days, word had hardly gotten out to most of the country that we had a new president. Well, so. well then let me ask you this. Who had the best and worst initial start to their presidency? You know, let's take the, the frame of an actual 100 days off of it. 
John Adams, I don't think he had a good day as president, so you could put his whole thing down as a disaster. Is there anybody who had a particularly fortuitous beginning? Or Well, it depends on your, on your point of reference. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say that Andrew Jackson had a remarkable first 100 days. From the very day of his inauguration, it was clear that a new guy was in charge, and the, the direction of the country was going to be very different from the old Virginia dynasty and John Quincy Adams. You could also say Abraham Lincoln. I mean, he had a, he had a terrible first 100 days in the sense that half the country uh, seceded (laughs) and we embarked on a war, but it was the war that made Lincoln Abraham Lincoln. So it's And the war was not a policy of Lincoln's, but rather, you know, something that he was confronted with. Correct. And although he was willing to fight it, which is I mean I my my favorite president, James Buchanan, always gets pilloried (laughs) because he fundamentally wasn't willing to go to war and risk right. six hundred thousand dead over the issue, and it's it's not it's we now realize in retrospect he was terribly wrong, but his 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 attitude is not hard to appreciate. Uh, I I've never heard anyone say my favorite president James Buchanan. This wow, that's just great. <laughs> this is why we love getting you in here. He narrowly edged out Franklin Pierce on your list. Is that uh, well? Franklin Pierce is another is another favorite, and for largely the same reasons. Although, of course, as I always point out, James Buchanan was even more qualified for the presidency than Hillary Clinton. Wow, he'd been, that's, he'd, been, that's... he'd had every conceivable cabinet post. He'd been a se- mm-hmm. senator, secretary of state, and right. so on. Magnificently prepared. So when you hear experience counts and so on when related to presidents, always think skeptically. Buchanan and Clinton, the names that should spring to mind. Well, Buchanan, I would, I, as I say. I would defend President <laughs> Buchanan, but but if you don't like him, you can use him for that example. So let me ask this: What about the idea that there can be an event early in a presidency that helps the president fail or succeed? Uh, JFK had to deal with the Bay of Pigs right away. It was already you know planned. It was waiting for him when he got there. He wasn't in on on the deal, and you could argue that that. You can see kind of the trajectory from that through to the Cuban Missile Crisis he was on. And let me give you a flip side one. No one, when Ronald Reagan was running for president, was talking about the air traffic you know, controllers union. But you could argue that his decision on that set a tone that sent all of you who have that entrenched political power, there's someone here who's prepared to take you on. Well, it also shows that you never know when you're running for president what's going to happen after Inauguration Day. And Kennedy's a perfect example. They they didn't calculate the Bay of Pigs. It was a, it was a huge catastrophe. Um, and then followed by his uh, one-on-one meeting in Vienna with Nikita Khrushchev, where Khrushchev concluded... He was dealing with a weakling, which then emboldened him to put up the Berlin Wall and, and put offensive nuclear right. missiles in the self uh, same Cuba. So, in fact, your efforts to put on a good show for the first 100 days can backfire in spectacular ways. And there are other examples, too. I mean, Reagan, no one was talking about the power of labor unions or right. anything like that. Um, similarly, I suppose you could say when, when George W. Bush faced down the Chinese over that shot down uh, jet oh, plane, right. and, and where, where even though he uh, technically apologized to the Chinese, uh, it did indicate to them that he wasn't, he wasn't necessarily going to be pushed around in these things. So So your advice to the next person who becomes president about their first 100 days is? Not to pay attention to any time, uh, any clock set by journalists. They always are there 
they're infatuated with this hundred day notion, and it's his in the broad rain run of history, it's thoroughly meaningless. And in fact, if you pay too much attention to it, I would argue you set yourself up for failure. My suggestion would be to pick something that you know you can, in fact, do, that you've already greased the skids for. For example, uh, Judge Gorsuch achieving the Supreme Court. I would have scheduled the vote for this Friday. Yes. So the in 99th, there you go, 100 days, go out on a win, and then never talk about it again until we have a different president. Well, and President Harding uh, pardoned Eugene Debs in his first 100 days, which was a nice indication that, that he was <laughs> his view of civil liberties was very different from your hero, Woodrow Wilson's. So Okay, now you've stepped into it twice, calling Woodrow Wilson my hero and the James Buchanan. We're going to have to settle this outside, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining us for the Daily Standard Podcast. Please subscribe to these podcasts at iTunes.com, GooglePlay.com. You'll never miss another one. Also, check out the great writing from people like Phil Terzian, Bill Crystal, Fred Barnes, and the gang at WeeklyStandard.com. And if you have a question or comment about the podcast, email podcasts at WeeklyStandard.com. I'm your host, Michael Brown.